Today the sermon reading is from it's from nineteen, is it right? Yes. Alright. Do not store up for yourselves the treasures on earth where moth and venom destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and venom do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is. There your heart will be served. The eyes in the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to devoted to the one and to despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who have worked with me, you'll know that actually that's the type of mistake I do all the time. Like I put a one in front of something or, you know, leave out whole words. But thank you, Sujin. That's fantastic. Uh, today we're working our way through this theme of living faith. So we've done a, a four-week series, and it's really been a, a series of wisdom. Uh, how do we think through work and leisure? And today we're talking about money. And so normally, um, when we're working through a sermon series, we pick a passage or a whole book of the Bible, and we work through it systematically. Whereas uh, today and over the last couple of weeks, we've been working through really sort of those big themes of the Bible, and so working through quite a few different passages to capture, well, what's the whole picture of the Bible? And so we're going to do that today, but hopefully the passages we have read uh, will be helpful in just framing our thinking of that. So let me pray as we get into this passage. Dear Lord, as we reflect on this theme of money, I pray that I might speak faithfully to your word, that we might honour you with the wealth you have given us. Amen. Money is such a big part of our life. We spend an awful lot of time working to get it. We invest our money with the hope that it will be there for us in the future. Uh, We need to pay our bills. And most significantly, often, we take great pleasure in all the things that money allows us to do. For the most part, on a society level, people like to show off their wealth. You know, they like to show off their house or their car or their furniture or their boat or their clothes uh, because it's a symbol of their success and their happiness. We often associate those things with value. And it's even for us as we observe people, I suspect, uh, we wouldn't like to admit it, that we often admire people more or respect people more if we feel that they have been financially successful in life. I suspect also, as Christians, if our society tends to upplay its wealth, then as Christians we tend to downplay our wealth. And then we feel we need to justify how we spend our money, and particularly how we spend money on things that give us pleasure. And the easiest way to do that, if you need some practice, is to allocate those things that we want, things that give us pleasure, and we put them in the need column. And so we need this for our well-being. We need this for our family. We need this to connect with our community. 
And if that's not enough, then we can always compare ourselves to someone who has more. So I might be spending a fair bit on my pleasure, but I'm certainly not spending as much as them. And so as long as you can be someone, uh, then that helps us to feel you know, a little bit better about how we're spending money. Uh, so we might not flash it around quite as much as our you know, broader community, but we can certainly love it just as much. Uh, we simply learn to express it in a way that's perhaps a little more socially acceptable. Now, last week, uh, Darren used the example of a thermometer to check our temperature because there is a sweet spot where humans function really well. If we get too cold, and then we get hypothermia and we die. If we get too hot, we get hyperthermia and we die. And so this series has been about working out that sweet spot when it comes to work and leisure and now money. So if we're lazy in our work or if we refuse to take time to enjoy God's good creation and goodness to us, then we reject that goodness. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if we overwork or overindulge in leisure, then we dishonour God because we're saying these are the things that really give me a sense of value. And if that happens, then we may well be describing ourselves as Christians, but our identity is no longer in Christ. And it often comes at the expense of all the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And if we continue to indulge our money and our love for money, then it potentially comes at the expense of our salvation. So it's good to take pleasure in our work and our leisure and our money, but it has to fit within God's bigger purpose for us. And that purpose is defined by his word. So as a church, uh, we've attempted to express that purpose in four statements. Uh, what are we about? Uh, we're about loving Jesus, growing together, speaking the good news, and supporting others. So what we've really tried to do is take all the, the whole package of the Bible, it's an awful lot of words in there, and see if we can get it down to eight words, uh, which is perhaps a little ambitious. But we're trying to capture those big things of the Bible. This is at its absolute core how God wants us to live personally, but also how he then calls us to live as his people, as we gather as his church. So our desire together is for everyone to personally commit to Christ, uh, to recognise that he is the one who saves us from our sin, and he is the one we are committed to following. And we want that to come from a place of love and devotion, rather than a place of fear and obligation. We want to grow together as the body of Christ, and that means we've got a responsibility to one another. In the same way that a parent has a responsibility to their children, it's not something that we can simply outsource. Uh, we all have a part to play with that. God has given all of us gifts, and we're called to use those gifts to build the body of Christ. So some of that will be through you know, the organised things of our life together as a church, like as we gather right now on Sundays, we gather in our connect groups as our kids gather with Cross Life Kids and, and Cross Life Youth. Uh, some of that growing together will simply be making the most of the incidental moments of life, you know, taking the time to meet up together and just asking people how they're going. 
And as we answer that question, we want to answer it from a Christian perspective. You know, how are we going as we seek to honour Christ in whatever circumstances we're in? Yeah, how do we honour Christ in terms of our family life or in terms of our marriage? Or how are we responding to a particular situation or a particular frustration at work? Uh, not just as a person, but as a Christian, as someone who seeks to honour Christ in that place. Uh, thirdly, God wants us to speak the good news, the good news of his son that we can have life and salvation. Uh, so we do that in our conversations. Uh, we do that as we invite people to church, uh, or invite people to you know, many of our events that we run together. We back that up as we try to show people the love of Christ, as we try to live out our salvation. And we pray uh, that God might give people ears to hear. Uh, and as a church, we financially and prayerfully support speaking that good news overseas as we support our missionaries. And so for those who are new amongst us, we've got the Starks family in Spain. Uh, I just got news uh, this week that they're hoping to be back in June. We've got Amy, who is in Argentina, who's going to be back in about a month. And we've also got the Forrest family in Jordan, uh, which is fantastic. I'm not sure when they're coming back, but they are due to be home uh, sooner than later. We might even have all three this year. But we certainly want to support them as they speak the good news of Jesus all around the world. And then finally, we've got a responsibility to support others. Uh, perhaps like the classic passage in the Bible is, you know, the Good Samaritan story. As Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbour? And the answer is, even the person who you like the least. And so how do we help people uh, practically, financially, emotionally? And some of that will be within our church community, but also how do we love our Shell Harbour community? And so some of the practical ways we try to do that is things like our community pantry, um, which we run uh, every second week, and toys and tucker. Uh, that are two examples of that. So that big picture framework hopefully is important uh, and as we talk about work and leisure and money because they're not black and white issues. And that means it's going to require a wisdom and discernment. And it's hard to be discerning it's hard to know where we should be going if you don't have an end in mind. And so as we look at the whole picture of scriptures, think about what's God's purpose for us, we then get to think about well, where does money fit into that. And I think it works on a couple of levels. Now, part of the challenge is, what do I do in any given situation? Uh, that's already difficult enough. But the harder question is, how do I discern what's going on in the attitude of my heart. Now, why do I really want to do this? What, I'm, what am I hoping will come out of uh, the way I spend my money? And if we're going to sort of work on that level, on that deeper self-reflection level, then we're going to need God's Spirit to inspire that discernment, uh, to help us see past our, our excuses, uh, or perhaps past our rationalisations, our justifications, uh, to get right underneath to the motivation that sits behind it all. Uh, and if the motivation is good, uh, then praise God and let's enjoy those decisions and let's be thankful for them and let's embrace them. And uh, as we reflect on those decisions, if our motivations are you know, twisted, uh, then it's good that we can identify that uh, because then we can repent and we can turn and we can get ourselves back on a better path, you know, one that honours God. 
Uh, and in the context of this, it honours God in the way that we use our work and leisure and our money. Uh, so let's talk specifically about money. And I think the first thing I want to acknowledge is that money is a blessing from God. So when God brings Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, uh, it comes with a promise. Uh, if you fully obey me, I will bless you. Uh, not just in terms of salvation and the safety from their enemies, but in terms of their comfort and prosperity. And so, for example, Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. So that is a good thing. Now, we do know, and that's Deuteronomy 28, we do know Deuteronomy 29 is what happens when that goes wrong. But as a starting point, it is a blessing. Uh, secondly, wealth can be used to do all sorts of good. Uh, so how we give to God is an expression of our worship of God. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about giving money to support ministry in the church. He describes it like this as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So when we give, uh, we acknowledge that God is the one who is given to us. Uh, we acknowledge his lordship, but it's also an expression of trust. We're giving away the very thing that everyone else says we absolutely must have for our safety and security and happiness. And what we're saying is actually we recognise there's something that gives us a far greater uh, safety and security and even happiness when things are difficult. Uh, thirdly, um, we give to support the ministry we do together. So very practically, it allows us to have a space to meet. Uh, it allows me, it allows the rest of the staff to commit more time to ministry and God willing uh, that that will have a greater gospel impact on our community. And finally, it does help us to support those who are less fortunate than ourselves. So uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus describes it like this in Matthew. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's an assumption in this passage that we will look after the needy. But there's also a bit of an example of how we should go about doing that in a way that honours God rather than before people. Uh, so that's the good of money. Uh, but more often than not, the Bible talks about how we take that good and we twist it to become something that entangles and corrupts and ultimately gently guides us into sin. And so I was talking about, you know, we want to keep the temperature just right. I do think our natural risk is actually to love money too much than too little. So Jesus once said, and this was our passage today, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So on the surface, uh, our love for money might express itself in greed. In the word of Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons, uh, I would give it all up for just a little bit more. Uh, but equally, uh, it might express itself in being ostentatious uh, in our wealth and pleasure, where we say, look at me and look at my beautiful house and look at my beautiful car. 
Uh, but equally, it might express itself as frugalness, where we don't want to spend our money because our money gives us a sense of safety and security. And so whatever's happening on that surface level, the real issue is actually what's going on underneath. Because all of those expressions simply reflect where we look for that deep satisfaction. Yeah, our need to be loved, our need for purpose, our need to be valued and respected, our need to feel secure. And so God created us in his image and he hardwired those needs into what it means to be human. Um, but instead of finding our satisfaction in God, we so often ask God to help us to find satisfaction in everything else. Yet God, show me the money so I will feel safe. God, show me the money so I'll feel happy. God, show me the money so I can feel loved and respected. And there's a real tragedy on tragedy in that sort of thinking. And that we don't recognise the, the goodness and the satisfaction that we have in Christ. And then we ask God to help us to find it somewhere else. You know, somewhere that will inevitably fail to live up to the hype. Uh, because our money and our wealth and our possessions were never created to bear the weight of that expectation. And the good news, of course, is that Jesus does satisfy those greatest needs through his Son. In Christ we are saved. In Christ we have purpose. In Christ we are secure in the present, whatever the circumstances, but most significantly for our eternal future. And when we recognise that, uh, we come to a place of genuine peace and a place of freedom where we get to enjoy all those good things that God has given us, including money. Uh, so let's put it all together. And we need to start by asking the question, where do I put my hope? Is it in Christ uh, or is it in something else? Because if we get that wrong, then that's going to then shape everything else from there on. It's a bit like getting the foundations wrong. You get that foundation wrong, it doesn't really matter what happens with the rest of the house. It's all going to collapse. Uh, but once we've got that foundation, then we can think about that detail. How am I honouring God in what I give to Him and in the service of the ministry He's called us to do? Am I honouring God by being generous to those in need? And then in the context of our responsibility, how am I using the rest of my money? So some of that is going to be genuine need. Now we all need you know, food, shelter and clothing. Uh, and then there are things that make life just a lot easier. You know, if we own a car and we need to get around a bit, then that can be really helpful. But it can also free up all sorts of extra time and we can do lots of good uh, with that extra time. So practically, that's really helpful. And then there are just things which are just simply pleasurable. We just enjoy them for the sake of enjoying them. You know, like steak. I could eat spam. I'd much prefer to eat steak. You know, so we need to live in the present. Uh, but we also need to be conscious about the future. And so as we think about those things, we need to recognise the difference and then work out, well, how are we going to genuinely honour God in this, in this particular situation? Uh, and it's rarely simple, is it? It's never uh, a black and white answer. So, for example, we all need somewhere to live, uh, but we also need to be wise about where we choose to live. You know, if God has given us the ability to own a home, well, that, that's a wonderful blessing. But if we take on too much debt, then that's going to impact our capacity to honour God in other areas of our life. To honour God with our money, but also 
without time because I've got to somehow work to pay off that debt. Uh, when it comes to, say, buying a couch, uh, it might be wise to buy the cheaper couch and then you've got money left over and you can spend that on other good things. But it might be wiser to buy the more expensive couch. I mean, let's be honest, it's going to be more comfortable. But even you know, bigger than that, uh, you know, if, if it lasts longer, then that's a good thing. Uh, if it means less landfill, well, that's also a good thing uh, for our planet. Uh, so, you know, there's lots of things to consider in our decision. And we know that cheap does not always work out the best. Uh, but we also know you can pay a lot for nothing. And so we need wisdom. And of course, it's not just about you know, couches and homes. It's a, it's a thousand different choices that we make every day, from the food we eat to the holidays that we take. Uh, so there are no simple answers, but we do need to keep coming back to those key questions. You know, where is my hope? And how does this honour God? As one last reflection... I do think we've got to be careful not to overread what we perceive to be a sign from God. Uh, simply because there's a door that is open doesn't mean we should walk through it. And we ever stop to think that perhaps God isn't the one leaving the door open at all. This may well be an opportunity, but equally, it may well be a temptation. So, as an example... Uh, let's imagine I'm eyeing off a new surfboard. Okay, this is completely hypothetical, right? But say perhaps a McTavish, you know, Suno on Gumtree. Okay, so like I said, very hypothetical. But you know, it's fourteen hundred ninety-nine bucks. It's a fair bit of money, right? And I can't really afford it. But then I get this lovely letter from the tax office. Yeah, they made a mistake with my tax return. And what do you know? Fourteen hundred and ninety-nine bucks. Now, I think my first reaction might be to see this as God's provision and God's endorsement of my desire to purchase a new surfboard. God really wants me to have this. Uh, but just as easily, uh, it could be a temptation. And just as easily, it's an opportunity to choose to be sacrificial and generous with an unexpected windfall. And it says a lot, doesn't it, when we give up something we de deeply desire as an expression of our love of God or our love for other people. You know, it'd be really convenient to abdicate responsibility you know, for making decisions by a perceived sign from God. But I think we've got to be careful when we approach that. I think we've got to be careful uh, how we read our feelings, how we view opportunity, and we shouldn't use them as simply a substitute for discernment. And so we still need to work out those tough questions. Where is my hope? And how am I going to honour God in this situation? I want to finish um, with a couple of verses from Proverbs that we read a little bit earlier. Um, and as I do, I want you to notice where the writer of this proverb uh, focuses his attitude to money. Uh, he talks about having more and less, but that's actually not the real focus. What's the real end goal? So let me read it and reflect on it as I read it. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour the name of my God. Amen.